You're listening to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Thursday afternoon. Let's turn to our very first topic and guest of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're chatting with Deborah Abella, who's one of the authors of this year's Hong Kong Young Readers Festival. Now, Deborah was trained as a teacher before becoming a writer and producer of a children's TV show at Network 10 in Australia. And since then, she's become an internationally published and awarded author of 27 books, including her climate change trilogy, Grimsden, New City and Final Storm. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon, Deborah. Oh, thank you for having me, Noreen. Any chance to talk about books? I'll take it. Excellent. We're so glad you can join us. It's a shame because of the pandemic, we can't meet in person, but technology is really um, the next best thing and really uh, amazing to connect with you this way. Yeah, I would have loved to have been there with you. There's something quite special about being in the same room with somebody particularly when it comes to kids and just talking about books because I feel I kind of feed off their excitement and they feed off my excitement and it, it all becomes it all becomes quite something. Yeah, well, this afternoon our listeners can join us uh, via Facebook, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to see and hear Deborah this afternoon. So, Deborah, you've really written a, about a lot of different subjects. Um, spies, spelling bees, wolves, World War Two, flooded cities. I could go on. Um, but about your latest books, it's called Bear in Space. Tell us a little bit more about that. What is it about? Uh, this one... All of my books start with something that gets me fired up or inspired. And this one pretty much came about because I've been working in schools for about 20 years. I'm a, a trained teacher as well. And um, I just kept seeing these, you know, kids who were different, you know, and who didn't quite fit in. And for all different sorts of reasons, you know, they, 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 that made them feel like they were outside the regular group. And, and I'm often really intrigued by these kids about what makes them tick and what they're thinking and so I wanted to um, write a story about um, a character who kind of didn't feel like they fit in but were kind of happy with how they were and um, it kind of came about one day because my uh, author and illustrator friends and I went to Taronga Zoo in Sydney and we were having a day of writing and drawing and a friend of mine drew this beautiful illustration of a bear and the backstory of that bear was that it had been rescued and brought to Taronga Zoo to be looked after but it didn't quite fit in with the other bears and my friend who drew the picture of the bear, her son was exactly like that as a little boy. And I've known Marjorie for many, many years, but I didn't know this story about her son, who's now a man in university. So we both worked on this book together as a kind of a, a, a passion project about a little kid who doesn't fit in, but who is obsessed with space. Uh, and the kid in the book is a, is a bear in this case. And um, he just dreams of flying into space because it's quiet. No one laughs at him there. No one kind of picks on him or calls him names. But of course, being in space in a rocket by yourself, he soon feels lonely until something extraordinary happens and he meets another bear who's obsessed with space as well. So essentially it's about a bear who builds a rocket and goes to space. But kind of beneath that, it's about the importance of just being exactly who you are, loving yourself for exactly who you are, but finding friends who also love you for exactly who you are. Yeah, and that is such a wonderful and important message. I'm sure, you know, we've all been to school before and, you know, we've all been that sort of quote-unquote misfit or some days we don't feel like we, we, we fit in. And it's really great that children can find that escape and that representation in children's literature. 
Well, see, and I think that's the thing too. I know with me as a kid, books were my, like, they were my refuge. They were my happy place. And when I was feeling down or like you say, left out, because I think every one of us has a point in our lives where we feel like we don't fit in or we're left out or we, we made a mistake, we messed up. And so books, I think, are just the most perfect way to, to be, you know, just to feel safe again and to feel happy again. And that's, that's certainly what I hope uh, with all the different kind of books that I write. Yeah, speaking of refuge and books, I, I hope our listeners can join us this afternoon on Facebook Live at Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 because you'll be able to see Deborah and, and her, the extraordinary number of books behind you. <laughs> Tell us about this wonderful place. It looks like you're in a, in a library. Yeah, it's um, speaking of happy places. So this is the very, very top attic in my house um, in Sydney. And so this is where I write. So just out of shot, if you can see me, um, is my little red desk that has a little window where I look over uh, the view of our neighbourhood and yeah, behind me books. And so if I get stuck um, or and I just don't quite know what to write, I'll just have a little comfy chair just out of shot and I just pick a book behind me and I just relax. And, and it reminds me of why this is so exciting because, you know, like every job, even though I love being a writer, there are days where it's frustrating and it just doesn't work as well as it could. So, yeah, I've written quite a few books in this little space. Yeah. How do you approach writing then, Deborah? Do you sort of treat it as like a nine to five job or do you sort of have bursts of creativity and then those are the times <laughs> you, you, you sit down to write? Yeah, I, if I if I relied on my bursts of creativity, <laughs> I would really only be writing one book every decade or so. But yeah, I, I think you have to treat it like a job in the same way that, you know, I'm sure there are lots of people listening who love their job, but there are days where they'd rather be doing holiday other things. <laughs> or at the, yeah, <laughs> so sitting down reading. So, I mean, how I approach it is, first of all, every single project that I sort of choose to work on, I have to love it. I have to be excited about those characters and really in love with the storyline. So that always helps. And then um, I, I wake up every morning uh, sort of around 5.30 and 6, kind of wash my face, make a cup of tea, and I, I sit at my desk because I'm better in the mornings. And then by about 3, I start to lose a bit of steam and I try to keep going but um, and usually finish around 6, especially if I've got a deadline on because it, it just has to be done. And I have a novel due in about, I think it's 10 days now, but I'm a little <laughs> bit scared to count. <laughs> So, so that is what I'm doing, um, and every day I'm just at my desk trying to get this draft done. Semi-chained to it then, sort of like what I'm like when I have a deadline. <laughs> yeah, you've just got to sit down and do it. And I, there's this great quote, and it's, it's you know, attributed to Ernest, um, Ernst, um, ah, Hemingway, Hemingway um, yes. and to a bunch of other writers as well. But it's that thing of just having, you just got to glue yourself to the chair, basically, um, for that period of time that it's due. And and it pays off. You know, I, I talk to kids and other writers all the time. And, and even if it feels hard, the more that you do it, the more it kind of all the different links of the story connect together and scenes and, 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 and dialogue exchanges between your characters kind of come to life and they spark. And your novel will make you laugh and cry. And even though at the beginning it's this little tiny idea in your head, if you keep at it, it, it comes to life in the most magical way. Exactly. Or as my mother-in-law would say, who's, by the way, in Australia, in Armadale, um, she would say, do it, it's done, you're happy. And sometimes we want to procrastinate, but if you do it, it's done, you're happy. <laughs> 
You know, I, I love that. I I should have that above my desk because it's <laughs> it's really true. And 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 you know, now that I'm near the end of this novel, which is it always takes me quite a few months to write it, and then there's months in the planning as well. You kind of stand on the edge of it and go, I did it. And 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 but it you know there is there are times when I feel like oh I'm never going to be able to do it, but. And- it happens. That must Each be such day. a great feeling to just... It's such, yeah. It is such a good feeling. And the thing is, too, another tip that I try and do with myself is don't... When I sit down on day one, don't sort of sit down as if I'm writing a whole novel. I'll sit down as if I'm writing a page. Ah. Yeah. And then um, the next day I'll write two pages. And then the next day... So do you, it's like, you know, if I do it bit by bit, I just think about the, the chapter I'm in at the moment, um, then it's less intimidating to sit down and write this this whole big thing. That's such a great tip. I'm sure we've got some aspiring young authors who, who are tuning in right now who feel really encouraged. Um, at the same time, do you ever find yourself facing writer's block? It's so cliche, but even as it's flowing, there are certain words or phrases that you might write down. It might sound good, but there's always mm. that, you know, wriggle room. And what do you do in that situation? <laughs> One of the one of the great things about writing and also the hardest things is the fact that if you have an idea, there are so many roads that idea can take. And it's our job to find the most exciting road for our readers and for ourselves as well. We need to be excited when we write. So that's a great thing, but it also means the the myriad possibility of things that can happen us are as as wide and vast as you know our imagination and it's about choosing that best one i think at the beginning especially for a first draft my aim is to just get the first draft finished i know it's not perfect that's what all those other drafts are about so i i try not to be too precious and i try not to Um, hanker for that you know perfect sentence in the first draft because then once I go with my editor I work with her on it then as the drafts go on and it gets more and more towards a publication date that's when I get really super fussy about is that the best way I can say that is that that the best sentence I can use yeah and that's such a testament of of the talent that you know you as an author and, and other authors have as well just having this idea and expressing it in a way that other people can relate to and that's really the the, the, the crux of it. Um, yeah. Deborah, I'd also like to sort of ask you, how did you become so passionate about writing? You were an educator to begin with. How did that transition happen? I, it's all, it, I know it feels quite different, but it's all very related. related. So I, um, I went to teacher's college and then I, I did another degree in writing, basically, in communications. And then I worked in TV for a while, writing for a TV show. And, and I was a teacher as well. And now I'm an author. And to me, all of those things are very much aligned. Because even being a teacher, it's you have to kind of grab your audience. You have to hold them. You have to try and teach them in a way that is exciting. And that's not always possible. But, you know, because everybody... You know, you, I, you can't I can tell you're a great teacher already. You have us hooked. <laughs> well, it's. I think if I, because I, even if, when I talk to kids, so if I'm in front of kids for an hour or I'm doing a workshop with them, I try and make it like a story. So I try and start my opening line is often, you know, a story of something I did when I was young that's funny or, you know, so I try and grab them the second that I've got them. And then 
And this is the same thing with, with writing. You have to hold your reader by giving them enough stuff that's exciting. And then at the end, of course, it's the climax. It's supposed to be the most exciting thing of all. So to me, they're very much related, all of those things. I love being in front of kids and talking to them about writing. And I was talking to teachers yesterday about, they, they asked me, oh, how do, I, how do we get our kids excited about writing? And I said, you know what? It's like a lot of teaching. If they can sense that you're excited about it, they, it's infectious, I think. And, and I think the kids will really be inspired by your excitement. Even if, I said, even if it's not your most fun thing, your writing lessons you do with your kids, you've got to at least let them know that you think it is. Absolutely. It sounds, I mean, I'm sure our listeners can hear how passionate you are about writing. And to be a good writer, I'm sure you have to be an avid reader. Um, how do we get children excited about reading? And perhaps, Deborah, the backstory of students in Hong Kong, for example. Um, we were speaking to an, a local NGO here in Hong Kong called uh, Bring Me a Book. And it, it seems that Hong Kong students are really good at reading. They're just not really motivated to read. So their aptitude is there. And because they have to do so much homework, they're reading a lot of textbooks already. They don't really read for pleasure a lot and, and the excitement is not really there. So how do you, you know, introduce that uh, back for, for the students? That is such a great point because there have been so many studies done that you, you, can have, you can have an aptitude for reading and that's important, but reading for pleasure is different and it really um, encourages within kids a whole other world of being able to read and, and the literacy is just... Um, it, it sinks in. Um, and so I, even for I, adults, even, even for adults, like I find I'm reading so much for my for my job, for my work. Okay. Um, and some of it is pleasurable, but it's not really the yes. books or the things that I want to really sit down to read. But then all the right. time is gone to read other things. It's so important to read for pleasure. And I know for people like for me and probably for you as well, Noreen, yes. like it's a treat, it like is. it's a total treat. If I sit down in the middle of the day and think, I'm just going to take 10 minutes out of my day to read, it feels really almost a bit naughty because it's not work yeah. and, um, and I'm supposed to be working, you know, but it's, uh, it's, it just feeds your imagination. And also if you're doing something for pleasure, you are much more likely for that to just like, absorb into your soul right like so and and we know that if you if you read you have lovely things happen like your your vocabulary increases you know more about the world the empathy that you have for other people yes. because you've been able to step inside someone else's shoes um your, your your knowledge of so not only human beings but of you know stuff around the world like i see reading and particularly reading for pleasure as like basically traveling around the world it's kind of like a passport to being human because you learn not only about being human you learn about the other humans that are around yeah. you so reading for pleasure is so so important because you do just naturally absorb all of those things that make other parts of your life quite successful whether it's you um, holding a conversation with someone presenting yourself before you know for, for a job interview uh, whether it's you just knowing stuff or you being able to um, you absorb how books work um, and how narrative works. Like if I do a writing workshop with a class, I can tell very, very quickly if this is a class of kids who naturally love their reading or kids who read, but they're, they're not necessarily big readers for pleasure. You can tell in the way 
they construct their sentences, the way they formulate an argument, like it's in those really subtle but so important ways, reading for pleasure is important. So, um, I mean, big tips, of course, is just find something the kid enjoys. Uh, you know, find something that inspires them. Maybe if they're into funny books, stick with funny books for a while. I've had parents say, oh, I wish they'd just stop reading these funny books, you know, these, and I think, no, just let them go. Just, it doesn't matter what they read. A, a wide it, range of things is good. Yes. That's the thing. And definitely I'm with you when, you know, you want to encourage them to perhaps read something that you know they'll like, but they're a bit off put by the words. Um, audiobooks are great if they're just making that transition from, you know, like graphic novels with not so much text to novels with whole pages of text. An audiobook can be a lovely link. Um, so before they fall at bed at night or in the car if you're driving somewhere, that's a lovely thing to do and it's not as intimidating. And of course, sitting down and reading together, I, that if I know time is so constrained, but when, a, when an adult and, or a parent sits down with a kid, it's the loveliest thing, you know, and it, it just, or if the kid even reads to the parent, it doesn't matter who's reading, but that snuggling up at night, you know, under a blanket and, and reading together, that just fosters such a gorgeous connection with this thing that is reading that hopefully that will then flow onto that idea that, oh, reading has this beautiful association, this really lovely, safe and comfortable association. Exactly. And we encourage people to read all the time, but especially we look ahead at World Book Day, which is happening tomorrow. So all the chance to, or, or better opportunity to start reading. Finally, Deborah, um, what are your hobbies then? If When you're not reading or when you're not writing, what else do you do for fun? I hike. Very nice. Um, I just love it, and we've just been on a on a on a big hike, and uh, we're always sort of planning the next one. I, and for me, again, I, it's it's a very similar thing. It's it's um, I, we we just take a backpack, we go hiking um, for like five or six days. I think our longest one was two weeks, and Whoa. we just forget about. I, and it was so good. You become, it's a real meditative sort of state um, and you disappear in your imagination, or I do anyway. So in the same way that I read books to kind of disappear within that world, I hike to disappear in nature. Plus I just, those bo two, both of those things just feel really good for you. You know, like reading is just so good for your you know your your everything about you and hiking of course in nature is just i you know i think i believe the world should do more of it just getting into nature and breathing fresh air and hearing the birds and listening to the waves and the forest it's it's really important. Yeah, I, I couldn't put it better myself. It's I sort of have this imagery of us being recharged by nature. And it's true, you know, we're often chained to our desks or to a screen yep. and just being at nature. Um, also, um, Deborah, I mean, how has the pandemic affected your work? I suppose um, in Australia, it's, you know, your country's done so well in containing the virus. Um, but during lockdowns or, you know, how has it sort of, has it sort of made you more creative, sort of more time thinking and daydreaming it was such an interesting 2020 wasn't it and even 2021 but um yeah we were a little bit lucky because we the the virus was controlled relatively well with sort of small outbreaks so we've been out and about for a little while now and um with with social distancing and hand washing and all sorts of stuff but um it's funny at first i was really creative and then as it went on and i think a lot of people probably felt that i know my author and illustrator friends did and you didn't see an end to it and 
you just had no idea when the vaccine would be ready. And then, then that sort of affected everyone's mood. And I had lots of friends tell me, I can't write. I don't know what's wrong. I've got all this time in front of me because we're at home and uh, we're supposed to stay mostly at home. I, I, I'm uninspired. So but the, the nice thing about it is that the novel that I'm nearly finished was inspired by the idea that books can save you. And it's, you know, it's, a, it's just about a little boy who has lost his mum and he lives with his uncle and he kind of doesn't leave home. He's homeschooled because he's too afraid to go outside. And, but he, books literally save him. And one day he meets a girl who gives him a book um, and, and it literally changes his life and then ends up kind of saving him. So um, I, I just know last year one of the big saviours for me uh, were books basically disappearing into a book and reading it and also just disappearing into this story that I was developing. So it's nearly done, or wow. the first draft anyway. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, I can't wait to perhaps get you back on another time when you've published it um, this year, hopefully. Oh, it's coming out next year because this is only the first draft and I'm a very, very slow writer. So um, Not at yeah. all. 27 books. That's quite an accolade already. More, more to come. Um, Deborah, remind our listeners once again, have you got a website and are you on social media? How can we find out more yeah. about you and your work? Yeah, so it's um, my website's just my name. So it's Deborah Abella, D-E-B-O-R-A-H-A-B-E-L-A.com. And there are videos there and there's all sorts of information about me and my books and what I've been up to. And, um, yeah, I'm on Facebook as well as Deborah Abella, author. Excellent. And Instagram as well, where I often put either hiking things or bookish things, <laughs> my, my two big loves. So, yeah, be sure to Be sure to follow Deborah Abella, who's one of the authors of this year's Hong Kong Young Readers Festival, which runs between now all the way through to the 30th of April. If you'd like to find out more about the festival, do go to their website, which is festival.org.hk. Meanwhile, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, Deborah. What a pleasure to meet you and hope to see you in person one day. That would be so lovely. Thank you so much, Noreen. Thank you.